she must become our next president. That's what he said. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Now it's crazy. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM People Powered Radio in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation Radio or Not Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, Radio Monterey, and Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week on Radio Sputnik, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us. Coming up, Barack Obama, the president, returned early from his trip abroad following the shootings of 12 police officers and the deaths of five of them in Dallas last week. Uh, That came on the heels of the police killing of two black men, Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Philando Castile near St. Paul, Minnesota. Barack Obama spoke at a memorial service in Dallas on Tuesday, and we will have a lengthy excerpt from his remarks there uh, coming up on today's broadcast. Also coming up today, Des, you may be the uh, the greatest uh, smile we have all day. I'm not sure. <laughs> Desi Doyen will be joining us for the Green News Report with... Shall we call it good news? Yeah, I think so. I think it's some good news. So hopefully it will bring some light to what is otherwise a pretty, pretty, pretty big day. A pretty big day, a dark week in in yeah. truth, a dark month, maybe even a dark year. In any event, uh, yes, the Sanders and Clinton campaigns uh, have come together uh, on their Democratic Party platform and specifically uh, with some provisions that uh, are, I think, fair to say, Des, the uh, greenest positions ever adopted in a Democratic Party platform. Indeed they are. So that will be coming up. News specifics on uh, on the environmental and c- climate and environmental elements of the uh, uh, Democratic Party platform. But first, the biggest political news of the day, of course, is the joint rally between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders that took place in Portsmouth, New Hampshire on Tuesday morning wherein the Vermont senator finally endorsed the former Secretary of State in her run for President of the United States. Yes, he conceded. Between their uh, their rally and the president's remarks in Dallas today, it seems best to simply let them all speak for themselves, frankly, since if you didn't see it live, uh, you're likely to not hear much more than a few sound bites here and there, given the amount of news from everyone. So as Obama uh, said recently... 
we can do better. Uh, indeed, we can do better here on the broadcast. So today we are going to play extended excerpts from each of their speeches. Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama's first up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, the much anticipated endorsement of Hillary Clinton by Bernie Sanders on the heels of the completion of the Democratic Party's platform drafting. Uh, being described by both the Sanders and Hillary camps alike as the most progressive in the party's history. And uh, a number of new policy initiatives. Uh, This also comes on the uh, back end of a number of new policy initiatives that Hillary recently announced concerning free college tuition for some 83 percent of American families and a call for expansion of Medicare and more universal health care access. Sanders offered a full throat endorsement for Clinton at the rally, explaining the reasons for his endorsement there and citing those concessions on on health care and college education and by contrasting the campaigns and positions of Clinton against the rhetoric and positions of Donald Trump, underscoring where her positions are the vir- are virtually the same as Sanders in many cases on health care on the Supreme Court, climate change, income inequality, a living wage, access to college without the burden of student debt on immigration, criminal justice reform, and much more. All positions that he shares in large part with Hillary Clinton and which he explained are in direct contrast with those of the GOP's presumptive nominee. Here's Bernie Sanders finally endorsing Hillary Clinton in Portsmouth, New Hampshire today, an extended excerpt from Sanders' speech. Together, we have begun a political revolution to transform America, and that revolution continues. Together, we will continue to fight for a government which represents all of us and not just the 1%. I am proud of the campaign we ran here in New Hampshire and across the country. Our campaign won the primaries and caucuses in 22 states. And when the roll call at the Democratic National Convention is announced, it will show that we won almost 1,900 delegates. Far more than almost anyone thought we could win. But it is not enough to win the nomination. Secretary Clinton goes into the convention with 389 more pledged delegates than we have and a lot more superdelegates. Secretary Clinton has won the Democratic nominating process. And I congratulate her for that. She will be the Democratic nominee for president. And I intend to do everything I can 
to make certain she will be the next President of the United States. I have come here today not to talk about the past, but to focus on the future. That future will be shaped more by what happens on November 8th in voting booths across our nation than by any other event in the world. I have come here to make it as clear as possible as to why I am endorsing Hillary Clinton and why she must become our next president. This campaign is not really about Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or any other candidate who sought the presidency. This campaign is about the needs of the American people and addressing the very serious crises that we face. And there is no doubt in my mind that as we head into November, Hillary Clinton is far and away the best candidate to do that. Hillary Clinton understands that we must fix an economy in America that is rigged and that sends almost all of the new wealth and income to the top 1%. Hillary Clinton understands that if someone in America works 40 hours a week, that person should not be living in poverty. She believes, we all believe, that we must raise the minimum wage to a living wage. And further, she wants to create millions of new jobs by rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure, our roads, our bridges, our water systems, our wastewater plants. But her opponent, Donald Trump, well, he has a very different view. He believes that states should have the right to lower the minimum wage or even abolish the concept of the minimum wage. If Donald Trump is elected, we will see no increase in the federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour, a starvation wage. This election is about which candidate will nominate Supreme Court justices who are prepared to overturn the disastrous Citizens United decision, a decision which is allowing billionaires to buy elections and is undermining our democracy. This election is about who will appoint new justices on the Supreme Court 
who will defend a woman's right to choose. Who will defend the rights of the LGBT community. Who will defend workers' rights, the needs of minorities and immigrants, and the government's ability to protect our environment. If anyone out there thinks that this election is not important, take a moment to think about the Supreme Court justices that Donald Trump will nominate and what that means to civil liberties, equal rights, and the future of our country. This campaign is about moving the United States toward universal health care. and reducing the number of people in our country who are uninsured or underinsured. Hillary Clinton wants to see that all Americans have the right to choose a public option in their health care exchange, which will lower the cost of health care for millions. She also believes that anyone 55 years or older should be able to opt in to Medicare. And what is Donald Trump's position on health care? Well, no surprise there. Same old, same old Republican contempt for working families. He wants to abolish the Affordable Care Act, throw, twen throw 20 million people off of the health insurance they currently have and cut Medicaid for low-income Americans. The last thing we need today in America is a president who doesn't care about whether millions of Americans will lose access to the health care coverage they desperately need. This election is about the grotesque level of income and wealth inequality that currently exists, the worst it has been in our country since 1928. Hillary Clinton knows that something is fundamentally wrong when the very rich become richer while many others are working longer hours for lower wages. She knows that it is absurd that middle-class Americans are paying an effective tax rate higher than hedge fund millionaires. And that there are corporations in this country that make billions of dollars a year in profit, yet because of the loopholes that their lobbyists created in a given year, they do not pay a nickel in federal taxes. That is wrong. This election is about the thousands of young people I have met throughout this country who have left college deeply in debt, the many others who cannot afford to go to college, and the need in this country to have the best educated workforce in a highly competitive global economy. Hillary Clinton believes that we must substantially lower student debt, 
and that we must make public colleges and universities tuition-free for the middle class and working families of this country. This election is about climate change, the greatest environmental crisis facing our planet, and the need to leave this world in a way that is healthy and habitable for our children and future generations. Hillary Clinton is listening to the scientists who tell us that if we do not act boldly in the very near future, there will be more drought, more floods, more acidification of the oceans, more rising sea levels. She understands that we must work with countries around the world in transforming our energy system away from fossil fuel and into energy efficiency and sustainable energy. Well, Donald Trump, like most Republicans, sadly and tragically is choosing to reject science, something no presidential candidate should ever do. He believes that climate change is a hoax. In fact, he wants to expand the use of fossil fuels. That would be a disaster for our country and for the entire planet. This election is about the leadership we need to pass comprehensive immigration reform and repair a broken criminal justice system. In these stressful times for our country, this election must be about bringing our people together, not dividing us up. While Donald Trump is busy insulting Mexicans and Muslims and women and African-Americans and our veterans, Hillary Clinton understands that our diversity is one of our greatest strengths. Yes, we become stronger when black and white, Latino, Asian-American, Native American, all of us stand together. Yes, we become stronger when men and women young and old, gay and straight, native-born and immigrant, fight to rid this country of all forms of bigotry. It is no secret that Hillary Clinton and I disagree on a number of issues. That is what this campaign has been about. That is what democracy is about. But I am happy to tell you that at the Democratic Platform Committee, which ended Sunday night in Orlando, there was a significant coming together between the two campaigns, and we produced, we produced by far the most progressive platform in the history of the Democratic Party. Our job now is to see that platform implemented by a democratically controlled Senate 
a democratically controlled House and a Hillary Clinton presidency. And I intend to be in every corner of this country to make certain that happens. I have known Hillary Clinton for 25 years. Hillary Clinton will make an outstanding president, and I am proud to stand with her today. Thank you all very much. That was Bernie Sanders conceding the race to uh, Hillary Clinton, now certainly the presumptive nominee for the Democratic uh, Party. Uh, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. For her part, Hillary responded at that joint rally by effusively thanking Bernie Sanders for his endorsement. She, too, spoke to the events in Dallas uh, and the epidemic of both police violence and weapons of war on our streets. She offered plans to combat income inequality, to offer free college tuition. Uh, she vowed to block the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a full-throated uh, yeah, block of that. Said, yeah, flat out said, we're against it. To, uh, she promised to reform the tax code, block more tax cuts for the rich, as she says Donald Trump and the Republicans are off- offering to expand, not to cut, Social Security. She called for paid family leave, guaranteed equal pay for women, reform of our campaign finance system, and fight back against voter suppression to institute automatic universal voter registration and other election reforms, including fully restoring the Voting Rights Act. Here is the extended remarks of Hillary Clinton in her joint rally with Bernie Sanders today in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Thank you so much. I... I have to say it is such a great privilege to be here with Senator Sanders, being here with him in New Hampshire. I can't help but reflect how much more enjoyable this election is going to be now that we are on the same side. Because you know what? We are stronger together. Over these last few weeks, Bernie and I have worked together on plans to put college within reach for more people and to ensure that everyone in America has access to quality, affordable health care. And now, with your help, we are joining forces to defeat Donald Trump, win in November. And yes, together, build a future we can all believe in. Throughout this campaign, Senator Sanders has brought people off the sidelines and into the political process. He has energized and inspired a generation of young people who care deeply about our country and are building a movement that is bigger than one candidate or one campaign. So thank you, thank you, Bernie, for your endorsement. But more than that, thank you for your lifetime of fighting injustice. I am proud to be fighting alongside you because, my friends, 
This is a time for all of us to stand together. These have been difficult days for America. Taking, yes, they do, and taking on, taking on the systemic racism that plagues our country and rebuilding the frayed bonds of trust and respect between law enforcement and the communities they serve will require contributions from all of us. We have to reform our broken criminal justice system, take back our democracy from the wealthy special interests, and make our economy work for everyone, not just those at the top. And you know what? We have to do all these things at the same time. That's why throughout this campaign, we've been calling for eliminating racial profiling and disparities in sentencing, ending the era of mass incarceration, dismantling the school-to-prison pipeline, providing more employment opportunities for formerly incarcerated people. Let's learn from police departments like Dallas that had made strong progress and apply their lessons nationwide. Because everyone in every community benefits when there is respect for the law and when everyone is respected by the law. Inequality is too high, wages are too low, and it is just too hard to get ahead for too many Americans. We need an economy that works for everyone, not just those at the top, not just the millionaires and billionaires, but everybody. And to do that, we need to go big and we need to go bold. This isn't a time for half measures. So we are setting five ambitious goals for starters. In my first 100 days as president, we will make the biggest investment in new, good-paying jobs since World War II. And when I say good-paying jobs, I mean it. As Bernie said, Donald Trump thinks wages are too high. He actually stood on a debate stage and said so. He does want to get rid of the federal minimum wage altogether. Well. Both Senator Sanders and I believe anyone who is willing to work hard should be able to find a job that pays well enough to support a family. And Bernie is right, $7.25 an hour is a starvation wage. So, sorry, Donald, if you're watching. We're not cutting the minimum wage, we're raising the minimum wage. And we're going to create millions of good jobs by making America the clean energy superpower of the 21st century. As Bernie reminds us so powerfully, we owe it to future generations to work together to combat climate change. And make no mistake, we will defend American jobs and American workers by saying no to the assaults on the right to organize and bargain collectively. And we're going to say no to attacks on working families and no 
to bad trade deals and unfair trade practices, including the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Second, we're going to make college debt-free for all and help millions of people struggling with existing student debt save thousands of dollars. We're going to make it so future students won't have to borrow a dime to attend public colleges or universities. Thanks to the new proposal Senator Sanders and I worked on together, for families making less than $125,000 a year, we will eliminate tuition at those schools altogether. Third, we're going to rewrite the rules and crack down on companies that ship jobs and profits overseas. And we will defend and strengthen the tough reforms President Obama put in place on the financial industry, not let Donald Trump tear them up, because we do. We do need to make sure Wall Street can never wreck Main Street again. Number four, we're going to make sure Wall Street corporations and the super-rich pay their fair share of taxes. Now compare, compare what Senator Sanders and I intend to do with Donald Trump's plan. His tax plan would make our current system even worse. Independent analysts say he would add $30 trillion to the national debt in order to give a massive gift to the wealthiest Americans, Wall Street money managers, and our largest corporations. But after all, what else should we expect from someone who calls himself the king of debt? In fact, even as we speak, he's apparently bringing in the biggest names in trickle-down supply-side economics to help him figure out what to do. Now, these are the same advisors who brought us 30 years of a disastrous Republican philosophy that gave the huge breaks to those at the top. Now, you don't have to be a psychic to know what's going to happen next. They're going to come back with another plan with maybe some bells and whistles, Bernie, that tries to disguise the fact that they still are slashing taxes for the wealthy, large corporations, and Donald Trump himself. And they'll try to use voodoo economics. <laughs> to tell us all the ways it will actually help the economy. But they're not fooling anybody, at least I hope they're not. Just like his current plan, which he calls inspiring, tremendous, and amazing. You know, he uses a lot of adjectives to avoid telling you any specifics. Here's what we know for sure. Whatever he comes out with next is going to give huge tax cuts to the corporations and the rich at the expense of the middle class. Now, there's that old saying. You've heard it. I used to hear it a lot in Arkansas. You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. But I will promise you this, Senator Sanders and I will spare no effort to make sure the people of America know 
that once again Trump and his cronies are trying to pull the wool over our eyes and come back with the same failed policies that hurt us before. We're not going to let them get away with it again. And finally, let's expand Social Security to match today's realities, not cut or privatize it. Let's join the rest of the developed world and offer paid family leave. And finally, let's guarantee equal pay for women once and for all. And you know, Donald Trump can accuse me of playing the woman card all he wants. If fighting for equal pay and paid family leave is playing the woman card, then deal me in. And I'll tell you, these aren't just my fights. These are Bernie's fights. These are America's fights. And I feel with all my being, these are fights we have to wage and win together. As Bernie and his supporters have argued so eloquently, we won't get anywhere unless we overhaul our campaign finance system. It is past time to end the stranglehold of wealthy special interests in Washington and get back to government of the people, by the people, and for the people. That's why, as president, from my very first days, I will make campaign finance reform a top priority. We will do everything we can to overturn Citizens United. And we will require everybody, Democrats, Republicans, independents, whoever, to disclose all of their donors. Just like Bernie, I have met so many impressive people here in New Hampshire and across America with great ideas for our country. I want to see you run for office and win. And here's another radical idea. Let's make it easier to vote, not harder. Let's fight back against attacks on voting rights across the country, attacks that disproportionately affect low-income voters, people of color, students, the elderly, and women. That means we need to restore the Voting Rights Act and then keep going. All Americans should be automatically registered to vote on their 18th birthday. Every state should have at least 20 days of in-person voting, and no one in America should ever have to wait more than 30 minutes to cast their ballot. So Senator Sanders and I will be working to get unaccountable money out of politics and the voices of everyday Americans back in, because as Bernie has said, this isn't a progressive issue. It's not a conservative issue. It's an American issue. And let me close with this. To everyone here and everyone across the country who poured your heart and soul into Senator Sanders' campaign, thank you. Thank you. And our country desperately needs your voices and involvement. And so does this campaign. And so does the Democratic Party, because you know what? 
We need to take back the Senate and take back the House and make sure we have Democratic governors and Democratic state legislators. This is one of the most important elections in our lifetimes. You will always have a seat at the table when I am in the White House. As Bernie will tell you, talk is cheap. We need to keep fighting to make sure everything we've stood for is real in the lives of people across America. This election, let's send a clear message. In America, we don't tear each other down. We lift each other up. We build bridges, not walls. We put common interests ahead of self-interest. We stand together because we're stronger together. So join with us. Let's make this happen together and win the election. Thank you very much. That was Hillary Clinton in Portsmouth, New Hampshire today in a joint rally with Bernie Sanders, uh, gleefully accepting his uh, endorsement for president of the United States and, uh, and laying out exactly what her case will be against Donald Trump in November. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with our Green News report on what is being described as the greenest Democratic Party platform ever and Barack Obama's remarks at, a, at the memorial today in Dallas. I'm Brad Friedman and this is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Oh, the world is melting today. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Coming up, Barack Obama's remarks at the memorial for the five slain police officers in Dallas, Texas. That's coming up. Uh, but first, as we're uh, coming off the heels of Bernie Sanders' endorsement today of Hillary Clinton, I want to get to our latest Green News report and uh, what is being described as the greenest Democratic Party platform in history. What we will be remembered from our work here this weekend is not only what we included, but what we left out. Sanders and Clinton supporters come together, mostly, to include the greenest positions ever in a Democratic Party platform. Uh, the amendment passes. All of those amendments and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. You can go the path that denies climate change is real, or you can choose a path where American jobs and businesses lead the world to combat it. Yeah, but hoax, China, tyranny, climate gate, scientists, or something. This is your... 
Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it's it's actually kind of surprising here, but a lot of the focus at the Democratic uh, Platform Committee talks was about environmental stuff. Yes, and some actual resolution. What? That never happens. After a hard-fought primary campaign season between Senator Bernie Sanders and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, the Democratic Party Platform Committee over the weekend in Orlando adopted what many are calling the most progressive Democratic Party platform in history. Now, of course, that may be a low bar, depending on your perspective. (laughs) True. But at least as far as climate policy is concerned, the new platform breaks new ground. At the final meeting of the draft committee, California delegate Russell Green proposed an amendment calling for a wartime mobilization to transition the nation to renewable energy. America must rise to this moment. We must declare that we will. We must call this out explicitly. It is not enough that this is the most progressive platform in democratic history. What matters is that it matches the moment. What what we will be remembered from our work here this weekend is not only what we included, but what we left out. Prioritizing a climate mobilization provides the most immediate path to social, economic, and environmental justice. Green's amendment and others succeeded. Now, this is the draft of the Democratic Party platform. It drops all references to an all-of-the-above energy policy. Sanders supporters, however, failed to get a total ban on fracking. Instead, the platform committee went with Secretary Clinton's policy proposal to regulate fracking intensively, to reduce methane emissions that also cause climate change, and to protect water supplies. So they refused to call for a ban on fracking, but... They said they'd make it more difficult in order to frack in the first place? Yes, that was very explicitly part of Secretary Clinton's campaign. And they are saying that uh, fracking will no longer be a priority, that instead it will be solar and wind due to the dangerous greenhouse gases that are the result of fracking? That's right. That's a real breakthrough in the Democratic Party platform. It actually calls for prioritizing and incentivizing new renewable energy sources like wind and solar, focusing on building that before any new natural gas fire power plants. Now, an interesting part of the platform, it actually calls for all new pipeline infrastructure to pass the same climate test that President Obama used to reject the Keystone XL pipeline. It states that Democrats should, quote, ensure that federal actions don't significantly exacerbate global warming before starting any new infrastructure project. Is that a big thing? That is actually a big thing to require the federal government to calculate the climate impact of any new infrastructure. I mean, we don't do that now? No, we only calculate the environmental impact, but usually climate and emissions are not taken into account in those calculations. There's a difference between the environmental impact and the climate impact? Yes, there is. Man, I need a government job. Sanders supporters did not get his proposal for a carbon tax into the platform, however. That's something that most economists say will be a necessary tool to curb the carbon emissions that cause global warming. But Secretary Clinton in the campaign has resisted anything that could be portrayed as a tax hike in an election year. So instead, the Democratic Party Platform Committee agreed to language that prioritizes a price on carbon emissions without specifying the policy that essentially calls for making polluters pay for their carbon pollution, but doesn't exactly specify how we get there. So it's a price on carbon. It's a tax on carbon. They're just not using those words. Exactly. I really do need a government job. Of course, the Democratic Party platform isn't actually binding on any individual politician like, say, the nominee. 
and all of the policies therein would also require action from Congress, which requires electing people to Congress that would actually vote for these things. The draft will be formally adopted at the convention in Philadelphia later this month. And there were a lot of really good environmentalists, Bill McKibben of 350.org and others on this committee, right? Yes. So it's not like uh, this was people giving a lot of uh, lip service to these issues. These are really people who care finding a way forward to work together. Yes, and they actually know what they're talking about. Imagine that. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. I think overall good news, though, is it not for the uh, for the Democratic Party? If they stick to it and they deliver on it, it will be good news for the world. Oh, well, now you just really raised the bar. (laughs) For much more on this story, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Well, I'm glad someone's partying. We're going to take a quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast, Barack Obama's re- uh, remarks just uh, an hour or so ago in Dallas at the memorial for the uh, slain police officers down there. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Welcome back to the Bradcast. That's uh, Stevie Wonder's song, As. Uh, And that was uh, quoted today in Dallas by uh, Dallas PD Chief David Brown, uh, who introduced the President of the United States at the memorial for the five slain officers down there. Uh, And he said that uh, when he first started liking girls, that he would quote from Stevie Wonder. Right, because he he could never find he could never find the right words. So Stevie Wonder always worked. So he went uh, went ahead and quoted today from Stevie Wonder and trying to figure out how to introduce the president, uh, who (laughs) at the beginning of his remarks said, "I'm so glad I met Michelle first. Because she loves Stevie Wonder. It was it was a nice moment of level, levity among a very sad day. It was, uh, and I wanted to play as we played the extended remarks for uh, Bernie of Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton in Portsmouth today, both calling for unity for not just the party but for America. Uh, Barack Obama's remarks at the memorial today also seem to echo that sentiment. So once again, extended remarks today, This, these from the President of the United States uh, in Dallas at that memorial service. Our entire way of life in America depends on the rule of law, that the maintenance of that law is a hard and daily labor, that in this country we don't have soldiers in the streets or militias setting the rules. Instead, we have public servants police officers, like the men who were taken away from us. And that's what these five were doing last Thursday. 
when they were assigned to protect and keep orderly a peaceful protest in response to the killing of Alton Sterling of Baton Rouge and Philando Castile of Minnesota. They were upholding the constitutional rights of this country. And despite the fact that police conduct was the subject of the protest, despite the fact that there must have been signs or slogans or chants with which they profoundly disagreed, these men and this department did their jobs like the professionals that they were. In fact, the police had been part of the protest plan. Dallas PD even posted photos on their Twitter feeds of their own officers standing among the protesters. And then around 9 o'clock, the gunfire came. I know that Americans are struggling right now with what we've witnessed over the past week. It's as if the deepest fault lines of our democracy have suddenly been exposed, perhaps even widened. Faced with this violence, we wonder if the divides of race in America can ever be bridged. We see all this, and it's hard not to think sometimes that the center won't hold. I'm here to insist that we are not as divided as we see. And I know that because I know America. I know how far we've come against impossible odds. I know we'll make it because of what I've experienced in my own life. And I know it because of what we've seen here in Dallas. How all of you, out of great suffering, have shown us the meaning of perseverance and character and hope. When the bullets started flying, the men and women of the Dallas police, they did not flinch and they did not react recklessly. They showed incredible restraint, saved more lives than we will ever know. And in the process, we've been reminded that the Dallas Police Department has been at the forefront of improving relations between police and the community. The murder rate here has fallen. Complaints of excessive force have been cut by 64%. Now, I'm not naive. I have spoken at too many memorials during the course of this presidency. And I've seen how a spirit of unity born of tragedy can gradually dissipate. If we're to sustain the unity we need to get through these difficult times, then we will need to act on the truths that we know. But we're going to have to be honest with each other and ourselves. We know that the overwhelming majority of police officers do an incredibly hard and dangerous job fairly and professionally, they are deserving of our respect and not our scorn. And when anyone, no matter how good their intentions may be, paints all police as biased or bigoted, we undermine those officers we depend on for our safety. We also know that centuries of racial discrimination, of slavery, 
and subjugation and Jim Crow. They didn't simply vanish with the end of lawful segregation. Race relations have improved dramatically in my lifetime. But America, we know that bias remains. And so when African Americans from all walks of life, from different communities across the country, voice a growing despair over what they perceive to be unequal treatment, when study after study shows that whites and people of color experience the criminal justice system differently, when all this takes place more than 50 years after the passage of the Civil Rights Act, we cannot simply turn away and dismiss those in peaceful protest as troublemakers or paranoid. We can't simply dismiss it as a symptom of political correctness or reverse racism. We also know what Chief Brown has said is true, that so much of the tensions between police departments and minority communities that they serve is because we ask the police to do too much and we ask too little of ourselves. As a society, we choose to underinvest in decent schools. We allow poverty to fester so that entire neighborhoods offer no prospect for gainful employment. We refuse to fund drug treatment and mental health programs. We flood communities with so many guns that it is easier for a teenager to buy a Glock then get his hands on a computer or even a book. And then we feign surprise when periodically the tensions boil over. In the end, it's not about finding policies that work. It's about forging consensus and fighting cynicism. Can we do this? I confess that sometimes I, too, experience doubt. But then I am reminded of what the Lord tells Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart, the Lord says, and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's what we must pray for. Not a heart of stone, but a heart open to the fears and hopes and challenges of our fellow citizens. With an open heart, those protesting for change will guard against reckless language going forward. With an open heart, police departments will acknowledge that just like the rest of us, they're not perfect. That insisting we do better to root out racial bias is not an attack on cops, but an effort to live up to our highest ideals. But even those who dislike the phrase Black Lives Matter, surely we should be able to hear the pain of Alton Sterling's family. We should, 
When, when we hear a friend describe him by saying that whatever he cooked, he cooked enough for everybody, that, that should sound familiar to us, that maybe he wasn't so different than us, so that we can, yes, insist that his life matters. With an open heart, we can worry less about which side has been wronged and worry more about joining sides to do right. As we get older, we learn we don't always have control of things. But we do have control over how we respond to the world. We do have control over how we treat one another. America does not ask us to be perfect. Precisely because of our individual imperfections, our founders gave us institutions to guard against tyranny and ensure no one is above the law. A democracy that gives us the space to work through our differences and debate them peacefully, to make things better. We cannot take the blessings of this nation for granted. For it turns out we do not persevere alone. Hope does not arise by putting our fellow man down. It is found by lifting others up. I believe our sorrow can make us a better country. I believe our righteous anger can be transformed into more justice and more peace. Weeping may endure for a night, but I'm convinced joy comes in the morning. We cannot match the sacrifices made, but we can strive to match their devotion. May God bless their memory. May God bless this country that we love. That was President Obama speaking in Dallas today at the memorial service for the uh, officers who were killed last week in Dallas. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, today and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download it at bradblog.com. You can subscribe for free over at iTunes or just use your favorite uh, podcast app if you prefer. You can find and follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog, or drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Thanks again for your time today. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Yeah.